0: So Tuesday night of this week, the kids who were here for family night learned the story of Noah and the ark. Uh, It's always a hit, this story, with the Sunday school crowd. Uh, Our version had cats, elephants, unicorns, fairies, and sheep gathering onto the ark. We had a god with fantastic rain powers who let loose as everyone squeezed into the ark together, Um, the ark being a giant cardboard box that always rich soil for the imagination. And a rainbow appeared at the end as everyone danced and celebrated that they had made it to dry ground. It was like precious moments level of adorable here. Then I saw the wheels start to turn and these little heads. One of our inquiring and discerning hearts raised her hand. If the flood was over the whole earth, what happened to everyone else? I know I can't guess the exact reasons why parents want to bring up children in the church, but my hunch is that they want to their kids to know a God who loves us without exception, to learn the basics of a moral and Christian life. Of course, the only moral and Christian answer to that question that she asked was the truth. They died, I said. And of course, since everyone in the room was being raised to know a God who loves us without exception, gasps of shock and horror resounded at my answer. Maybe it's been a while since Sunday school for you, but you know the story of Noah and the ark. Once upon a time, God looked around the earth and saw that the whole thing had turned completely evil, and God was sorry he had made the world in the first place. In all the land, only Noah remembered God and lived according to God's ways. So God decides to start this whole creation project over with just him. A reboot, so to speak, by sending a giant flood The waters rise and destroy everything and everyone on earth. Not really precious moments material, as it turns out. So to share with you what's difficult for me, as these kids as priests, is just hoping they'll hang on to this story long enough right? Long enough that after they grow out of loving it for the way that they can play cats and elephants and fairies in a cardboard box. Because it's going to be a while before they learn that every other ancient Near East and Mesopotamian culture had their own stories of a great flood caused by the gods. Now, if they're anything like my conservative Christian classmates in college, which I find very unlikely for their future, they'll be dismayed to learn that these other stories predate the Jewish version we have, casting real doubt for the first time on their ideas about biblical inerrancy and literalism. But, as if I imagine, their inquiring and discerning hearts are still intact they might see something like hope in learning this. Like maybe this story was a story about us making sense of a tragedy that every culture experienced. And if there's still good Episcopalians by that time, they'll ask the questions that a good Bible reader asks. What's the point in retelling a story? How did their Jewish version differ from the others? They'll notice that the others had these capricious gods who enjoyed causing suffering to humans, but Genesis spoke of this sad and regretful deity. They'll notice in the Babylonian tales that humanity survived only through their own cleverness and deceit, but that the Jews were trying to say something about a God who worked to protect the one good thing there and who ultimately vowed to never again destroy the rest, no matter how bad we got. And it might be an even longer time for them before these kids learn that there are two flood stories actually in Genesis, that you can pull them apart and you'd see two distinct voices arguing for very different ideas about God within this one small story. I mean, let's be real, they probably won't learn this unless they attend seminary, but it's interesting nonetheless. One of these versions of God will be a sad and regretful father who ends up regretting the destruction he brings more than he does the evil that humankind commits. In the other version, God's like a priest who cannot abide the impurity and violence consuming the earth and so establishes a covenant with Noah in order to make sure someone knows what a holy life looks like. So, there's disagreement as to the nature of God, even within these, just these few pages of the Bible itself, which I hope they'll find enlivening. But really, the prayer of all our hearts is that it's going to be a long, long time before these kids need these stories on a deeper level. Before life teaches them what it's like to be caught in a hopeless storm for 40 days and 40 nights. We would like them to go maybe forever before learning what it feels like to have the world that they know and trust washed away. Before they experience the floodwaters of despair rising up over their heads. We know this dark knowledge will come for them, as it does for all of us. I wonder if you know that what you're doing here is preparing an ark to dwell in until the waters subside. You know, we call this place a nave, after all, because we look up to see that we're in a boat. The underside of it, the underside of an ark. It's not a place where your troubles disappear and life suddenly becomes orderly and manageable again. The world will not ask easy questions of our kids. It doesn't ask easy questions of us. And we don't have easy answers, even in Sunday school. But it is a place where you might find this tempest of doubts and questions and needs held for a short while, a place where you, too, come to find the deep peace and wisdom of a God who loves you without exceptions.